There's nothing like a good story. And we've got a good story today from the Scriptures. It's one that takes place on Resurrection Day, the very first Easter. And it's a story about two of Jesus' disciples who encounter Him unexpectedly. So I want to read it for us. You can follow along on the screen as I read it aloud. This is Luke chapter 24. And this is what it says. That day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, What are you talking about? Their faces downcast. The one named Cephas replied, Are you the visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people prophet. But our chief priests and over to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find His body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them He is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see Him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! Your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into His glory? Then He interpreted for them the things written about Himself in all the Scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, He acted as if He was going on ahead. But they urged Him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So He went in to stay with them. After He took His seat at the table with them, He took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized Him, but He disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when He spoke to us along the road and when He explained the Scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has to Simon. The two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as He broke. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we're having a little technical difficulty. 
this would be microphone number three for me this morning. It just happens. Uh, did you turn this off, this other one? Good. I'm going to take it off. I'll just be patient with me. Things don't always go as planned. Now you know how we put the microphones on. Okay, we'll try it like this. And I like to talk with my hands, so this is going to be fun. Can you hear what You know what I mean? I said there's nothing like a good story. And one of the things about a good story is it gives you the opportunity to find yourself in it. And that's so true of this story about Jesus meeting his two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It says that this is on the day of the resurrection. And these two disciples are on the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey, it says, which would be the distance from here to like Peachtree Corners or Norcross. So just imagine you're walking up Peachtree Industrial, headed for Peachtree Corners or Norcross, These two disciples of Jesus are walking up the road, and it says they're discussing all that's happened over the last few days. And for sure, a lot had just happened. But what we find out later in the story when they begin to talk with Jesus about what had happened is we learn about these disciples' disappointment and disillusionment with where they are in life, but more specifically in their faith. Because we hear them explaining about all that had happened and and really all that they thought was going to happen and didn't. They open up about the fact that they thought that Life, and particularly faith, and and this following of Jesus was going to take them in a certain direction. It was going to look a certain way. They, They had an expectation for what was coming, and it didn't. In fact, in their eyes and in their perspective, it went just about as opposite of that as it could have gone. Here they were faithful followers of Jesus who had figured out, okay, this is what He's going to do. This is what it's going to look like to follow Him. This is how things are going to go. And over the course of that few days, they were hit with the realization it wasn't going to go that way. It wasn't going to look like that. In fact, we get a sense that we find them in this story feeling like it may not be going anywhere at all. This is over. And they point to their religious leaders, to the institution of the temple, our version of the church. They point to their governmental leaders and the shortcomings of all of those folks, of those institutions is having left them in this place where it seems like all that they were hoping for and expecting isn't panning out. Disappointed to say the least. 
I said that one thing about a good story is you can find a place for yourself in it. And really, another good way that you can find a place for yourself in this story is in the fact that the two disciples that are mentioned who are traveling this journey, we all travel this journey. The two disciples who are traveling this journey, walking this road, one of them were given the name, Cleopas, and the other one were not. There's been much written about why one's named and one isn't. Although I would say probably this is the kind of story where you wouldn't necessarily want your name in the story. Poor Cleopas goes down in history, his name's inscribed in the Bible because he's the one that looked at Jesus and said, where have you been? Do you not know what's been going on? What's wrong with you? Not exactly how I would want to go down in history. Maybe in this case, it'd be better to be the other one, the unnamed disciple whose name isn't attached with this story and this way of interacting with Jesus. But the fact that one of the disciples goes unnamed almost opens the story up even more for you and me to see ourselves right there with Cleopas on that road, on that journey, having that conversation about how we thought it was going to go. How we had hoped it would be. What we were expecting based on what we had heard and read and seen. And lo and behold, it isn't. So in the midst of this journey, this conversation that they're having, it says Jesus walked up and joined them. They didn't even know it was him. Isn't that odd? For these to have been disciples of Jesus, people that we would understand then had been familiar with him, familiar with his teachings, maybe even followed him around, if not from town to town, possibly at least in Jerusalem, had seen him, had heard him, been exposed to who he was and what he was doing. They knew all the details, all the information about what had happened in the last three days. And yet when Jesus walked up on them, they had no idea who he was. I just find that fascinating. In fact, the Scriptures say they were prevented from seeing him, from knowing who he was. Which calls to mind, well, then what was preventing them? Was it Jesus himself? Was it his goal to be able to walk among them without them realizing who he was? Was this the original episode of Undercover Boss? Where he could get the unfiltered perspective of some of his people about what it was like to be living this life of faith to follow him? Or were they prevented from recognizing Jesus because of their own condition. Because of the condition of their own hearts, their attitudes, their perspectives. Is it possible that their disillusionment and disappointment was so much their focus that they weren't able to even see the one when he walked right up to them? We don't know. 
the theologian Molly Marshall says about this experience that the, resurrects, the resurrected Jesus is elusive and not always easily recognizable. I might add to her comment that Jesus can seem to be especially elusive when we only look for him in the confined spaces of our own presuppositions. Nonetheless, he walks up to them as they're discussing how they wish it had gone. Have you ever been that person, the, the third person to walk up on a conversation? <laughs> you know, two people are talking and, and you make the corner or come down the hall and they're just chatting it up and then you walk up and, how's the weather? Oh, it's good, yeah. Sports and things. Like, you ought to try being the pastor and walk up on a conversation between two people in a church hallway. <laughs> we'll just say Awkward. <laughs> Jesus walks up into the midst of their conversation and, hey guys, what's going on? What you talking about? Now, I've, I'm kind of, this is a confession, a little sarcastic by nature. and uh, So I, I like to think that, that Jesus was just messing with them <laughs> when he asked, you know. Hey guys, what's going on? And they don't you know? Haven't you heard? Where have you been? Are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know? Again, that line is attributed to Cleopas. Poor Cleopas. This is how he goes down in history. And Jesus' response is, no, I have no idea. Fill me in. I like to think he's just messing with them. But probably not. i got to give Jesus credit for being more holy than that, I think. It may be the case that in the midst of their journey, their disappointment, their disillusionment, how they thought it was going to go, how they thought this was going to unfold. And it isn't. But Jesus walked up next to him and said, tell me about it. I hear you. Tell me about it. Tell me about what you were hoping for, what you were expecting, what you were dreaming of. Tell me about it. So they do. They lay out for him all the events that had transpired, that had brought them from where they thought they were going to be to where they found themselves. Not just personally, but for the sake of the church and faith. And then Jesus' response, not the most complimentary. You foolish people. You blind all that had to transpire. Don't you know that you've been so preoccupied by your own expectations and then the associated disillusionment and disappointment that you're not even seeing the fact that this is what needs to happen. This is how this needs to go. We need to be doing this right now. The world needs this. 
to get us from where we've been to where we need to go. To take us from death to life. We need this. And then it says that they arrive at Emmaus and, and it's late and so these disciples invite Jesus to come and stay with them. Not knowing who it was yet. Still a stranger to them. They opened up the house to him. They opened up the meal to him. They invited him to come in and break bread. In an act of generosity and hospitality to this person who was unknown to them, apparently wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the world around them according to them, didn't understand and know what they understood and know, but yet they were willing to invite him to the meal. And the story says that it's at the meal and the breaking of the bread that their eyes are opened to Jesus. And if you read it again, that when it says that they share this bread together, it says Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. Oh, and that would ring a bell, wouldn't it? It would ring a bell from the story of Jesus feeding the thousands with the loaves and fishes where He took the bread and the fish and He broke them and just kept breaking them and kept breaking them and there was more and more and more than enough for everybody. It would ring a bell from the story of the Last Supper or the Eucharist or communion, the meal that we're about to celebrate when Jesus shared that meal with His disciples before His arrest and His crucifixion. When it says He took the bread and He broke it and He gave it to them. This is one of the reasons that we celebrate this meal. And we do it regularly here amongst the community of faith is because of just what happened with the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. Because when Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, their eyes were opened and they saw Him. Oh, don't we all have the need again and again and again to see Jesus in our lives, in our church, in our world, in the midst of it all. So we share this meal together. I want to ask Pastor Stacy if she'd come up, and I want to ask you if you'll join me in the communion liturgy. It starts on page 12 of your hymnal, but we're going to put it on the screens so you can share in it with us. We'll begin with the invitation. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, He took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite the folks who are going to... I said there's something about a good story. What a good story. Jesus met them right where they were, in the midst of all that was consternating in them and around them. He broke bread with them and for them. And their eyes were opened. And they saw him. They broke bread with Jesus. And their eyes were opened. 
And they saw him. And then they said to each other, you know what? Weren't our hearts burning inside of us when he was explaining the scriptures to us? I think there's something to be noted about a good story, this good story, that they knew in their hearts, even when they couldn't see with their eyes, who Jesus was and his presence among them. And they only even got to that place, to that table, to the bread with Jesus because... They were willing to open up themselves in generosity and hospitality. Because somewhere in there, even though they were disillusioned with the institutions, and goodness knows we got institution to be disillusioned with these days. If it's governmental, if it's religious, if it's our denomination, we're celebrating our scouts today, and you, you've read the news that I read, that the Boy Scouts of America is as an organization, is filing for bankruptcy. But, oh my, it's not about the institutions. It's not about the organizations. It's about the individuals. It's about the people. It's about the the people that just served you communion and who received the offering. It's about these scouts who are here and being shaped and formed in character and in faith that we celebrate that Jesus is among us, that our eyes are opened, our hearts are are warm to know that he's here and he's alive and he's moving. We celebrate together that we've got about 50 boys that are in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and about 100 girls that are in Girl Scouts. And yesterday the Girl Scouts had their thinking day in our fellowship hall and there were about 150 of them in there. We celebrate the ways that Jesus is showing up in our midst right now today. If you're in here and you're a scout or you're involved in scouting or you've been a scout, would you stand up, please? We just want to celebrate this ministry of our church. Would you stand up and let us celebrate with you? Thank you. Don't you know they broke bread with Jesus and their hearts were warmed and their eyes were open? So much so it said they ran back to Jerusalem from Emmaus, all the way back from Norcross to Shambly, just so they could tell people, He's alive. He is here. We've experienced Him. We've seen Him. We've known His power and His presence in our lives and among us. The Gospel, the good news, when they broke bread with Him, they went out with that on their lips. Not what was wrong, not what they were disappointed about, not what didn't go the way they thought it should have gone, or why isn't it like this, or why isn't it like that? It was, He's here! Jesus is here! And He's changing the world in us and through us, one at a time, one life at a time, one heart at a time. He didn't come to change the institution, He came to change me. He came to change you. And as you and I are more and more made into the image and the likeness of Christ, the world is transformed to God's glory. Let that be what we leave from this place with today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to sing one more hymn before we dismiss. I want to invite you, if you will, to stand and sing hymn number 127, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.